How are you now? How are you now? The bottom six minutes lives on. Folks, your Montreal Canadiens lose 4-2 to to the Boston Bruins. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake and, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to do this one on YouTube, but I was fiddling around with my camera earlier after the game and uh, it's just not at the right level of quality that I would need to actually put a video out. So I'm going to have to look at getting a new camera before I can really try out YouTube, which I can probably do, you know, tomorrow or the day after. So maybe next game. We'll see. For now, um, I'm putting it out through my Substack. So hopefully people can find it on Spotify, Apple, etc. Uh, I am going to link it in the article on Eyes and the Prize as well. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we're doing whatever we can to keep our content coming out. And uh, I'm only going to be doing one episode per week through the SB Nation platform um, uh, for reasons that I've already itemized, right? My contract stipulates one episode per week. I'm not doing more than that. I'm not giving them more that they can make money off in the interim. So this one's out for free, hopefully with no ads on it too. I don't think Substack attaches any ads. So you can just listen to what I got to say and then uh, go on your merry way. Now, Habs lost 4-2 to the Bruins. What happened? Well, let's get into the recap. It felt like going into that game, it was one of those games where you want to keep yourself kind of drunk throughout it, right? Like this could have got into blowout territory very fast. But miraculously enough, it, it didn't. The Habs actually played pretty well, particularly in that first period. I was surprised. Uh, they weren't dominating by any stretch. Uh, I think they were definitely being, you know, they were being beaten uh, in most aspects of the game, uh, but certainly not dominated. Nine minutes into the game, shots were 3-1 to one for the Bruins. I would have thought it would be like 20-1 to one at that point. <laughs> But then Brad Marchand goes off for hooking, and uh, by the end of that power play for the Habs, the Bruins were actually up 5-1 on the shot clock. So it got worse, despite the fact that they had more players on the ice. Power kill. Um, Brutal, brutal power play for the Montreal Canadiens. But outside of that, really not a bad period. They had some chances. Samuel Montembeau stood tall when he needed to. And um, by the end of 20 minutes, it's still 0-0. I'm wondering, are we going to see an upset here? We go into the second period, it's more of the same. Habs are still skating with them, right? It's considerably closer than I expected it to be. Not the best, but considerably closer than I expected it to be. Just under five minutes into the period, Josh Anderson goes to the box for a trip, and I'm think I'm thinking this has to be it, right? Like the Bruins have a much better power play than the Habs. They're not going to squander this opportunity. But guess what? Samuel Montembeau stands on his head. David Pasternak had an opportunity at the side of the net, and Montembeau said no, Tabernak, Pasternak, robs him with the blocker. Um, made a couple of other really good saves in that power play as well. And somehow, somehow, the Habs escape unscathed. And it's still 0-0. And then, not long after that, Derek Forbort interferes with Nick Suzuki. The linesmen break up a fight immediately between Pizzetta and Forbort, send both of them off for two minutes, but Forbort gets the extra two for that interference, and the Habs get a power play. Now, if you told me before this game, or uh, before that power play, after the first one that I saw in the first period, if you told me they're going to score a power play in that same game, I would have said it's more likely that they never score another power play again for the rest of their fucking lives. But sure as God's got sandals, they score almost immediately on that power play. Mike Hoffman gets the puck. Looked like an intentional slap pass, like fake shot slap pass across the ice. I think it got deflected on the way, but it doesn't matter because it gets to Kirby Dock. And he one-times it into the net and makes it one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. Holy shit, are they going to pull off an upset here? Well, problem with that is you can't keep giving the Bruins opportunities on the power play either. And they give him another one. And uh, sure enough, that one hurts. So this time, it was... Uh, who went to the box that time? 
I don't even remember. Doesn't matter. Bruins get a power play. Um, I think it was Hoffman, actually. I think Hoffman went to the box. So Hoffman giveth, Hoffman taketh, taketh away. And uh, he goes to the box. Bruins go to the power play, and they make very short work of that one. David Pasternak throws one on net. Taylor Hall cleans up the rebound, and we are tied at one. From that point in the second period, the Bruins seem to remember who they are and who they're playing, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, we're the top team in the division, and this is the bottom team in the division, so we better play like it. And they're pressing. They're getting a lot of chances. Multambo, again, coming up big. And uh, luckily for the Abs, about 40 seconds left on the clock with the Bruins really pressing. Uh, Charlie McAvoy takes a high sticking penalty to kind of end that threat. And then we go into the third period, which was by far the best period for the Montreal Canadiens. They start it with a power play, and then there's a comical dive by Brad Marchand that ends that power play. Mike Matheson barely touches him with his hands, by the way, and the refs call cross-checking after he folds like a fucking cheap suit. So that was a little bit ridiculous. But at the end of the day, no harm, no foul, because the Habs were able to kill off what left of the Matheson penalty after uh, Charlie McAvoy got out of the box from his end of the second period penalty. And uh, we go back to work. And the Habs, again, playing easily their best overall period of the game. But just over 10 minutes to go, David Pasternak circles up near the point, puts one on net, and it gets tipped in front by David Krejci. And they were always going to need something like that to beat Montembeau with the way he was playing, and that makes it 2-1. to one. But the Habs show no quit. They start pressing from that point. They get a point shot from Justin Barron. Alex Belzil just digging away at that puck in front of the net, knocks it out to the other side, and Kirby Dock is Johnny on the spot to get his second of the game and make it 2-2. Two to two. Are they really going to take it to overtime against the best team in the Eastern Conference? No. <laughs> Bruins get an offensive zone face-off later on. Um, Patrice Bergeron wins the face-off, collects the ensuing loose puck thereafter. I f- somebody tried to shoot it. I forget who it was. And he picks it up, fires through traffic, makes it 3-2. to two. And then Pasternak gets an empty netter. Um, Pasternak had four points on the night, and that's all she wrote. Four to two in favor of the hated Boston Bruins. Man, I got to say, these Habs are spare parts, and I don't mean that as an insult against any of the players themselves. I know it sounds like an insult, but they're spare parts. And I got to say, the ability for Martin St-Louis to put something together with what he's got playing with 11 forwards, double-shifting Kirby Dock and Nick Suzuki constantly throughout the game. Um, He's managed to make them competitive against teams that they have no business being competitive against. They beat Toronto the other night. They came close to beating the Bruins here. I mean, you get a puck going your way at one point. There was actually an offside, a potential missed offside on the third goal for the Bruins. I'm not sure it was offside. I put a clip up of it on my Twitter and... You know, some people were coming back and saying, that's not offside. It looks like it was good. I can't tell. The puck was in the air anyways. It doesn't matter. They missed it. Face-off happened. Habs lost. But you get, you get that puck roll right for you. Uh, you get the offside call maybe. And you might be in overtime. Maybe you win that game. It was close. It was way closer than I expected it to be. And I got to give a lot of the credit for that to uh, Martin Saint-Louis. I think that lately this team has been very good despite all of the injuries that they've had, despite having new players coming in who don't know the system or anything. And somehow they've looked better than they have at points when they had almost everybody healthy. I think that's that's on the coaching. And uh, I, I, th- I think he's doing a great job at this point. I got to tip my hat to him. That being said, your silver lining of the night or player of the game, whatever you want to call it. Um, you, you could take your pick, really, but I got to go with Samuel Montembeau. 
Um, he was fantastic, particularly in that first and second period. Third period, the house played really well. Uh, that was their best period of the game. He didn't have to be fantastic in that period, but he was still pretty good. Uh, the Bruins needed tips in front, and they needed shots through traffic to beat him. Like, nothing that he had a good line of sight on was going in the net. End of story. He played fantastic. Uh, well-deserved silver lining of the night. And I'm starting to wonder, is this guy a legitimate starting goaltender in the NHL? I know it sounds crazy to say it, but is he a legitimate starting goaltender in the NHL? The way he's playing this season, absolutely. There's a number of teams where he's doing better than their current starters. So just on that alone, like, are you in the top 32 goaltenders of the league? Absolutely he is right now. Can he sustain it is a better question because he's always been a little bit streaky. But I've said this before, right? Goaltenders are weird. Sometimes it takes them until they're, you know, 26, 28, sometimes even 30 years old maybe before they really figure it out. 30 might be a little bit rare, but, you know, he's 26. He's not that old. He hasn't been in the league that long. This could be him coming into his final form. We've seen it before. I think the last time I talked about him on the podcast, I mentioned the Tim Thomas arc, right? Tim Thomas, of course, played for the Bruins, won a Stanley Cup with the Bruins. Guy didn't really find his stride until his late 20s. I don't know. Maybe Samuel Montembeau is a starting goaltender. At this point, we were talking about it in the eyes and the prize slack for however long that continues to exist. Um, If somebody came and offered me a trade, if I'm Kent Hughes and somebody came and offered me a trade for Jake Allen, I I don't really care what it is. If it involves picks, especially high ones, I'm taking it. Done deal. Nothing against Jake Allen. I think Samuel Montembeau can carry you for the rest of this year. I don't think you need anybody better than him because you don't care if you lose anyways. So why are we hanging on to Jake Allen? Why are we so concerned about keeping him on the team if anybody else is interested in having him? I would probably also trade Montembeau, honestly. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that I wouldn't, right? I think everybody's got to be on the table. But realistically, if I if I have the option right now to trade Jake Allen, that's the trade I would make. And then I would take the opportunity to really evaluate Montembeau and decide, can he be my starting goaltender moving forward? I think he might be able to, honestly. I'd love to find out anyways. Now, I said you had multiple options in that game for your silver lining or player of the game, whatever you want. So let's go to the other two. We'll, we'll give you basically a three stars tonight. And he was your first star, Semyon Montembeau. My second star... This is going to sound weird because he didn't score, but Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson has been absolutely flying for the last five games or so, playing some really inspired hockey. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's trying to play to keep himself on the Montreal Canadiens or if he's trying to play his way into a trade. We know that they've gotten trade offers for him. And we know, at least the rumors tell us, that they've declined all the trade offers that they've received. I would love nothing more than to know what exactly they've been getting offered and what they've been declining. Um, and I'd also love to know what does this new inspired level of play bring in terms of offers? I don't know. I mean, they've been turning them down left, right, and center apparently. So it, it apparently would take a significant offer for them to consider moving him. And I think the significant offers are going to come if he keeps playing like this. So again, I don't know. Is he trying to play his way out of Montreal or is he trying to play his way to stay in Montreal? Either way, um, I think it might lead to some more offers, and then we're going to have to just wait and see whether or not the Habs are willing to bite on one of those offers. I think if he keeps playing hockey the way he is right now, it's going to be tough for them to refuse some of the offers that are going to come in because there's going to be some playoff teams that are looking at a guy like that who's big, uh, who's a bull in a china shop when he wants to be, 
and they're going to say, I could use that in the playoffs. And who knows what they'll give you for him. If it involves a 2023 first, I think you got to take and run. Um, now, your third star of the night, obviously, I already talked about it. Kirby Doc, he scored two goals. Clutch. Um, playing mostly at center now as well. If this season doesn't bring us, you know, Connor Bedard, we don't pick in the top three or whatever. We're picking in the top eight, let's say. But we get the evolution of Kirby Doc at center to the point where he could potentially be your number two center. That is a huge win for the Montreal Canadiens. If they can figure out how to get somebody who can play with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, of course, because the one line that would have been working for them this season was Kirby Doc with Suzuki and Caulfield. They've tried other combinations with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, but he's the only one that really seems to work. Uh, so they got to figure out somebody else that can play up there as well if he's going to play at center long term. But if this is him figuring it out at center and being able to play there regularly, that's also fantastic news. Uh, because I think you can win with a team that has Suzuki, Doc, and Beck down the middle. If Owen Beck is your third line center, you can really put him in that defensive role. He can chip in offensively. If Kirby Doc can lead a second line that can actually generate secondary scoring, as he did while shifting around in the lineup with different wingers all night against the Bruins, man, that could be that could really be something. Now, um, I, I struggle to even think of anything negative to say about that game, honestly. I thought they played really well. Um, Alex Belzil uh, played really well coming up. Poor guy was really jamming away at the net trying to get his first NHL goal at the age of 31. I was hoping that he was going to put it in himself, but, you know, gets it over to Doc and Doc gets it in. So really good game from him. Uh, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, I felt like he played extremely well as well. Uh, showed a lot of speed. Uh, he had a chance at one point in what in the third period where he came in on the on the left wing. He had nobody around him. He had nobody to pass the puck to. So he just fires off a clapper, and he almost fooled Jeremy Swayman with it. Almost. Like, I know almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but fuck. It was, it was a nice clapper, and um, the, the way he came into that clapper as well with speed, um, it's it just it showed a lot of it showed a lot of balls for a guy coming up from the AHL and thinking that he could pull that off and then almost pulling it off. So I liked it. Uh, really liked his game. Uh, Nick Suzuki had a pretty good game. Uh, it wasn't one of his best, but he was pretty good. Um, you you got to keep in mind that him and Doc are playing a lot of minutes. They were both well over twenty minutes on that night, so it's going to be getting difficult for them. And that's why I had posted recently. There, there's the thing that's not really a negative, but it's a bit of a gripe. I posted on my Substack recently. If anybody doesn't have my Substack, I will link that in the article on Eyes on the Prize as well. Um, that the Habs should use their emergency recall ability and pull up Joshua Roy. I know anybody who listens to this podcast, you know that I talk about him a lot. I'm a big fan of his, maybe to a fault, but. I think he deserves his first taste of NHL action. And I think they need to bring somebody up to give them the opportunity to stop using guys for 20 plus minutes per night, like Nick Suzuki and Kirby doc. I don't think that them playing all these minutes is going to work very well in the long run for the Habs. I know they're probably hoping somebody comes back from injury sooner than later. And they're thinking, well, we can get away with that, but I would call him up. You're allowed to bring him up for five games, give him a shot. And for those five games, he acts as a little bit of a stopgap for you until you have somebody back from injury. I think it's the smart move for them right now. 
I think he deserves it, and I think it's a smart move to avoid putting too much strain on some of your top guys like Suzuki and Doc. The last thing you need is one of them getting injured too, and then it takes away from that opportunity to see where's the development at, what can they do, who can play with them, right? That's what we don't want to lose. The, the team needs to figure out things like that. Who can play with Suzuki other than, of course, Kirby Doc? We know Caulfield can, but Caulfield's injured. So we need to know who else can play with Suzuki. We need to know what Doc can do at center and who can play with him. And in order to really do that without risking injury to them, you also kind of need some extra bodies. So I'd say don't wait for anybody to get back from injury. Use what you can use, which is that emergency recall. Bring up Joshua Wild, give him five games. Let's see what he's got. He deserves that taste. And your top guys deserve to have a little bit less workload on them, especially going up against some of the best teams in the league, you know? But I digress. Overall, I have no issues with that game. I expected them to lose. I expected them to lose big. And not only did they not lose big, they came down to the wire in the third period with a tie game. I mean, amazing stuff for a team that has a bunch of AHL players and a bunch of rookies. Amazing stuff. Frankly, that's all I really got to say about that game. I was super impressed. Uh, what are we running? We're running uh, over 17 minutes. So, c'est une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Um, we are <laughs> we are no longer on all of the same platforms we were on before. I do believe that Substack can upload this to me, uh, for me rather, to Spotify and Apple. <clears throat> I will update you guys when I figure out exactly what other platforms it goes on to as well. Um, but again, check the article on HabsEyesInThePrize.com. We still have that site running until the end of, or until March 1st, rather. I think we're, they're cutting us off on February 28th. So up until March 1st, we will still be posting content there. I will still be posting content there. Um, other than that, uh, follow me on Twitter at DrakeMT. Uh, number one, I would appreciate that very much, as I always say. And number two, you can keep updated on exactly where we're going to be going afterwards. There are a lot of irons in the fire right now. Um, Eyes in the Prize may die in its current form. It may come back with a different name, but we have, how can I say this? We have a lot of interest in people that want to help us. So we're going to be back one way or another. Um, so stay tuned. Again, follow me on Twitter. Follow everybody else on Twitter as well, Jared Book, Scott Matla. Um, we will let you guys know exactly where we're going to be. And uh, again, you're going to be able to uh, keep up with the podcast as well. I'm still going to be doing this after every game. And hopefully by next game, I can figure out the whole YouTube thing. And I'm going to put it on there as well. So thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine.